Welcome, friends, to Liberation Lectionary. Uh, each week we gather here to kind of uh, dig into and excavate and explore uh, the readings for the upcoming Sunday, typically the gospel for according to the Revised Common Lectionary. Um, my name and what we're doing is we're looking for seeds of liberation in that process. Uh, we, we are convinced that um, most readings provide that kind of uh, perspective and so we want to help bring those to life. My name is Jamie Edwards Acton. I am an Episcopal priest and uh, part-time troublemaker uh, out here in Los Angeles and joining me as he does every week is... What's up, mi gente? It's Francisco Garcia over in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, also a priest in, uh, in the Episcopal Church and a PhD student over here. And sporting that shirt that we put together, yeah, you let us know, you give us a ring, you want one of these shirts, we'll hook you up. Um, today, we are looking at uh, the gospel passage. Yes, friends, we are still in John. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and we thought we escaped John long ago, but uh, here we've gone to a John kind of ditch. And then uh, for a little while, while we're in the in, uh, year B, and I think we're coming to the end of it. But on this 12th Sunday of Pentecost, we're still in chapter six, which we've kind of been milling around for a while. And it'll be no surprise that uh, we're talking about bread and food and all that kind of stuff again. Francisco is going to read this uh, passage and then we're going to just jump in as we do. Okay, so yeah, you know, it's been kind of a carb-heavy, uh, you know, scriptural season, a lot of bread, um, but, you know, we're, we're, it's okay, there's a method, I was just, you know, chatting with Jamie that there's a method to this madness, and we'll sort of get into some of that as we, as we do. So John 6, verses 51 to 58, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The religious authorities then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Right on, right on. Okay. Well, so, Francisco, you had, you had some thoughts. Why don't you jump right in? Yeah. So, you know, because we have been uh, the revised common lectionary, sometimes you wonder, right? Like what's going on here? What is the thought process behind um, spending so much time in this, in this section? Because it's several weeks of, of this bread of life discourse, which runs through many verses. Um, but I think one of the key words um, uh, here in this passage speaks to what I think is one of the reasons why, and this is the question, um, the, the word abide. Um, and, you know, we talked about Jesus as the living bread, and, you know, last, last Sunday, or for last Sunday's reading, we talked about um, Jesus saying, you know, 
be bread like me. I'm the living bread. You know, you know, it's it's not just uh, worship me, but actually do as I do, right? Uh, and um, abide in me is 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 about this call to this um, this communion, right? This full communion with God, and um, and and the kind of communion that we can have when we are truly abiding in the way, right? In the way of justice, love, compassion, the way of liberation that Jesus models for us and shows um, his disciples and shows us today. And so the call of, uh, you know, we talked about sacrament last, last time too. And so what does it mean to be that outward expression of that inward, you know, grace of that abiding with God so powerfully and so intimately that we are agents of God, agents of love and liberation and breaking down injustices, um, you know, in the world. And so that's, the, that's where I start, Jamie, but what do you think? Well, I, I think I would, I, I would just uh, kind of preface my thoughts by just, you know, I hope folks don't get bogged down in kind of like, I mean, I, I want to lift up the, the metaphorical kind of power here, right? The symbolic power here and not try to get into this, like it, this has Eucharistic significance, obviously, right? For the community, but not like in a Thomas Aquinas kind of sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, not like trying to break down the, the science, right? Like how does this, how does this actually work, right? How, you know, because that's where these religious authorities are, right? They're getting so hung up on this. They're on getting the hung up on The fleshiness of the story, the fleshiness right. and, the, and the blood. That's right. Yeah, and they're trying to, it sounds gross, right? It sounds, uh, it makes me think of, uh, gosh, I can't remember the story, but it was a story that was published, I believe, in the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, like a series of stories about this meeting in Grace Cathedral, right, which is an Episcopal Cathedral, this kind of weird, wacky uh, group that would gather up in the, the rafters of Grace Cathedral. And when they uh, celebrated the Eucharist down below, right? And at just at the time that the priest was breaking the bread and everything, and that they were doing their own thing up in the rafters with actual human flesh, where some of them would bring, you know, one person had worked in some kind of mortuary, something like that, or brought, you know, it was, and it, I remember this series of articles, they turned it into like a short story or something Whoa. like that. I, I wish I could remember the name of that, but it was really fascinating. And um, that's not where we want to go. Right. We oh, do no. not want to go down this road <laughs> no. um, because I think the real power is in the symbolism and the real power is uh, in the the mundaneness. Right. Of uh, of the symbolism too. bread here. Go, you know, you mentioned carbohydrates, too. I'm and that got me thinking just, yeah, this is and the kind of bread Jesus probably passed around. I'm sure it was whole wheat. I'm sure it was not processed, you know, deeply <laughs> processed flour. And as you know, because you've done, like me, dabbled in low carb this and that, and the more whole grains, right, it takes longer to digest. You have to kind of chew on it and gnaw on it and, you know, really. And I, and I have think to that, abide. Yeah. And I think that, that sounds silly <laughs> on the surface, but when you think about it, it makes more sense. Like we're, you know, this this life we're, be call, we're being called to abide in, right, this to, to um, kind of to assume the life of Jesus, in a, you know, in a, in a way, the community assumes the life of Jesus, uh, that it is this kind of whole, there is this whole grain aspect to it. There is this, because it does requiring not just like, you know, consuming something like those 
wafers we use on Sunday, it's easier to believe they're the body of Christ than they are bread, right? And, uh, but those things, you know, are so overprocessed. They're so anti-symbolic of what I think Jesus was getting at, because what we're <laughs> supposed to do is really chew on what we're being asked to do and be about and really kind of and, and acknowledge that it takes some effort, but acknowledge the flavor, right? Acknowledge the deep, deep flavor in it. And so I could just, you know, just the bread metaphors. I used, you know, I used to be a baker just going down that road. I could get lost in this, um, this uh, metaphorical uh, kind of symbolism of bread. And I'm not saying, I don't say that as kind of some kind of second class, uh, right. you know, knowledge. I, I, you know, I, I find, you know, for anybody who loves a good movie or a good book or a song knows that uh, the real true power, right, um, of, uh, and, the, and the truth that comes through uh, in those modes. And so um, I'm, in, I, I, on that level, I really enjoy it. And I wish I didn't have to fight off these other tendencies that mm -hmm. historically the church has brought into it and some more, um, you know, uh, well, people would just have different perspectives on it than I do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's it's we go, we go back to this in different ways um, throughout our conversations. But you know, focusing on the fleshiness of Jesus, right? The fact right. that he was, you know, not it's not in a gross way, but to think about him in in his fully human aspect, right? I mean, here we have. Uh, you know, Jesus sort of going between, at least the Jesus that is articulated in the Gospel of John, we have Jesus sort of in that traditional, I guess, theological teaching of Jesus as fully human and fully divine. Both are happening in this passage, right? Uh, you know, those who eat my flesh and drink my food, drink my blood, have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus is talking about his ascension there, um, in terms of the last day and how it, it, it's sort of like that full, um, you know, you know, cycle of his, you know, his life, his witness, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Um, so that's the theological piece, right? Um, mm -hmm. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, you know, and it's a true food and true drink. I think that that's where it comes into the humanity of him. Um, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Um, you know, again, sort of his precepts, um, his, his example, um, his presence as a fully human person, um, his suffering, his solidarity, um, his love, his anger, his righteous anger, right? All of that is, we got to gnaw on that, like you said, Jesus, like you said, Jamie, in terms of the true bread, the, the real whole grain, the substance that will nourish us and, and then call us to do the same. Right, right. I also hear in this passage, you know, I, again, like I often do in John's gospel, I hear the Johannine community coming through loud and clear. And so I hear John, the pastor, you know, again, we've talked about this a number of times about what the Johannine community must have been going through, right? Mm -hmm. And feeling alienated and marginalized from their own folks, from their own families, their own kind of cultural and religious milieu and, 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 and the symbols and all that. And here I hear John just, you know, I can, I can hear this as a response to ridicule, right? That mm -hmm. these Christians, look, look at them. How can they, you know, they're like cannibals, right? Practicing, I mean, and that's the superficial, yeah. right? Looking from the outside in, right? This is how it's being understood. And instead of John 
really like, uh, you know, trying to explain it in their terms, right? In, in terms that makes the uh, religious authorities comfortable. Mm -hmm. John just brings it, right? And, and reminds mm -hmm. his people and lets the religious authorities know, uh, you know, and as Jesus speaks these words that this is what you're doing. Those, you know, those who eat, you're eating my flesh. This, in this process, you're eating, you know, you're, you're kind of ingesting me my life, my experience, mm -hmm. my, my passion, my, you know, death, my all of me, all that, all of me, you're ingesting all of me. And, um, and I just love how he kind of just, he, he drives this, this, the symbolism deeper in his own language in John's own language, instead of the religious authorities in a way that makes them feel more comfortable, or mm -hmm. it's more suitable to explain the kind of, you know, the cannibalism perspective or perception, um, and and he doesn't he doesn't uh, the, the ridicule I feel just like you know makes John more resistant you know what I mean like mm -hmm. more angry that they're yeah. being misunderstood and being pushed out so yeah no and then it reminds me of you know later obviously in John um, you know the the meal right the agape meal right is and and when Jesus does his his final teachings of and the washing of the feet and, you know, love one another as I have loved you um, and abide in that love, right? Remain in that love um, and how the, you know, early Christians, you know, they were called these love feasts and, but they were seen in a very negative and critical light because of what they thought might be going on. Um, so, but, you know, think about what, what would a love feast look like today in concrete terms? You know, what, what, what would look like a love feast in our culture and in our society, in our economy, in our political system, in our parish settings, you know? Um, is it, is it and, and how might we be limited by that communion wafer, you know? Um, does that really express the love feast as full in its full expression the way that Jesus might have intended? Not in the churches we've worked at, dude. I mean, <laughs> th that's just a precursor to, you know, the mole and the tamales and the, yeah. you know, tlayudas and the, you know, everything. That's the real feast, right? That's the yeah. real uh, feast. So you're exactly right. I think we've, um, we have, we've tamed it, right? We've domesticated um, this whole, sim this whole symbolism, all this symbolism we've, we've, we've um, you know domesticated down to this little tiny white wafer uh, that barely is discernible as bread um, and um, and a little you know intention of wine uh, when you know we know that there was lots of jugs in John's gospel there was lots <laughs> of jugs involved and uh, and the bread was you know the, it was came with all kinds of stuff fish and olives and all kinds of stuff that you know like any good feast, so. It was a real feast. And obviously, you know, we have, well, you know, respect for our, our, our siblings that are in recovery, right? And, and, and right. all these kinds of things. But the point of this is that it was a real feast and it was actually happening amongst the people, right? That's and it right. Was, there was, there was a, a sharing going on. There was a gathering going on. And it was, it was a marker of, um, you know, there was a welcome for all. Right. And it was a marker of that kingdom, you know, like, what does it look like to be God's kingdom? You know, everybody at the table, um, especially the least of these. 
and that's why that's why your point is so important is because it does need to be a feast to re retain the symbolism because of who was invited what was happening at that table this was where jesus's almost nearly his entire ministry happened at the table the dinner table you know and crossan talks about this right with yeah. his o open commensality right and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and it's 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 such a wonderful kind of um like analysis of where, you know, I mean, when we think of Jesus, well, when we think of Paul, let's say we think of Paul, we've mm. got him traveling here and traveling there. And that becomes the Christian like uh, image, right? Of mm -hmm. the great, the, the, the one who's doing the real ministry or the missioner, mm -hmm. right? Okay. But when you think about Jesus, all he wasn't traveling here. I mean, he was walking across, you know, around the lake shore and crossing lakes and stuff, but a lot of it happened at the table. And mm -hmm. you just want, it makes you, it makes you wonder how much we could change the world at the freaking, you know, dinner table, right? Whether it's our own or whether it's a shared table in the community um, or other people, you know, as invited guests uh, in other people's homes. Yeah. Uh, we could, you know. It makes me think of, um, you know, here in Nashville, there's a really um, amazing um, nonprofit that, you know, really came out of grassroots organizing work um, amongst um, unhoused, you know, folks in the community and, and, and those who were sort of accompanying, um, you know, alongside them. And it's a group called Open Table. So Open Table Nashville. And that's the very, pr the, the premise of the whole organization. Um, and they have really remained true to a lot of those principles of, um, you know, not doing for, but doing with, you know, mm -hmm. um, right. you know, and, and where um, a real important model about uh, how we can actually uh, radically changed society, um, you know, and how those most impacted by oppression and economic despair and uh, systemic racism actually have the voice and have the solutions to, you know, how their lives might be turned around for the better, but are often just, um, you know, their voice is stunted, um, you know, their ability to, to, to bring that up is, is, is not possible, right? Um, we talk about, um, you know, it's an issue of equity, it's an issue of lack of access, it's an issue of maldistribution of our resources. Mm -hmm. And Jesus calls us to that actual redistribution. Right. Um, so, and it starts at that table, right? The table. I mean, that's where the redistribution starts is by inviting those who typically are not invited to those feasts, right? Or to those everyday meals or whatever. That's how the redistribution starts. That's the that's the sacrament of redistribution right there, um, and that should be modeled then on a much larger right um, level. So, yep, yep, yep. Well, Francisco, you know, we were worried. Could we squeeze anything else out of this chapter, out of this gospel? I think we got a little more bread out of it, a little more wine out of it, um, a little more meaning out of it, and hopefully a little more liberation out of it. So, yeah. Um, I think we must have had some good, you know, some good starter. You know, yeah, since everyone is liking to make uh, sourdough. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Francisco, as always, I enjoy this immensely. I hope all of you too uh, enjoy this. If you do, please share it with your friends, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. We're also on podcasts, where you get your podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please do a review. It goes a long way, and a lot of people find out about us, and we'd love to um, keep sharing the good news. That's right. Um, 
But uh, if you uh, hopefully you got something where you can share around the dinner table with your family and friends or preach in your in the pulpit on Sunday or maybe out at a street um, fair or protest or whatever you're going to be doing. Uh, hopefully you got something out of it. But uh, for now, I think we're going to say goodbye until we see you next All week. All right. Peace, friends. Francisco, peace.